Welcome to another episode of Crypto for Planners. With me, as always, is the Marty McFly of crypto, Mr. Adam Blomberg. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Marty McFly, I'm going back to the future. Yep, exactly. And you are a man, you are a man of the future, Adam. You are a visionary. You, you can predict the past perfectly, which is one of the things I respect about you. I, I, I am very good at predicting the past. I have, I have my DeLorean parked out front, flux capacitor ready to go. That is, the, that, is, that is fantastic. Just watch out for those Libyans. That's my only advice. <laughs> and why we're talking about the past and the future is because we're going to talk about the past and the future of lending on chain. Uh, but mostly the future, because talking about the past would be a little bit boring. Um, and most everybody knows about the basic lending on chain, where lending is also known as just getting interest, right? So you want to deposit, earn a couple percentage points of yield. That's Aave. That's Compound. That's some of the protocols people know. But I think more interesting and maybe more relevant to advisors is the lending that looks more like fixed income lending, more like more like bonds. And so there's a couple of protocols we wanted to talk about today. Uh, that that if you haven't checked them out, are going to be relevant to you in the future. And uh, Adam, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. We'll just dive into one. Let's talk about Maple Finance. So okay. for anybody that's new to this, why don't you give a quick overview of what Maple Finance is? So uh, that's great. Maple Finance, one of my favorites. It's a, a, a protocol. Maple Protocol was developed a few years ago uh, by Sid Powell. And Sid is uh, kind of as a background in you know traditional banking uh, and traditional credit. And it came up with this protocol called Maple such that um, d depositors, those that want to earn some bit of interest, can put their money into one of the pools. And then Maple, in, in breaking away from what you were talking about earlier with Aave and Compound, what Maple does is they have what's called pool delegates. And a pool delegate is essentially like an underwriter. So I decide I'm going to put some of my USDC into one of the Maple pools and those maple pools are is a pool that is earmarked for a, a, a specific type of lending. So one that we saw here in Texas is there's a specific pool for Bitcoin miners. There might be other specific pool for you know crypto market makers. There there they have a pool actually for uh, that, that has treasury U.S. Treasuries in it. Okay, so I decide I'm going to put my USDC into one of these pools. There's an underwriter there that they call a pool delegate, and it's the pool delegate's job to basically go make those loans. So it's a very, it's very much a bridging of kind of traditional finance and in crypto or crypto finance. So I'm not investing in a, in a, a token, right? I'm, I'm not investing in something that has some sort of volatility to it. I'm just using the efficiency and, and transparency of blockchain technology to decide I want to deposit money, earn some interest on it. This pool delegate is going, all right, I have this pool of funds. I'm going to go lend them out. Yeah, that's a great explanation and, and very helpful. I think one thing that might help to think about for advisors is how many parties are involved and, and what the role of the pool delegate is. So if you take Aave, for example, uh, what, what you're doing or your client is doing is you are depositing money, say USDC, to get a return on it. And that return is, is determined by supply and demand. There's basically two parties. There's a borrower and a lender. And that's how most lending markets work. However, these Maple, for example, is more like fixed income marketplace because there's three parties involved. So it's a three party marketplace. There's a borrower, there's a lender, and then there's an underwriter. So what it's doing is it's bringing together three different parties into one marketplace, making it pretty distinct from Aave. Exactly, Stephen. And, and it actually, the way I think about it and the way you explain it, it seems a little bit more like 
actually what a bank does, right? Whereas I deposit my money, my money, you know, my, my deposit, the, the accounting says my money is there at the bank, but we all know that the bank and their underwriters are actually lending that money out elsewhere. And, and the, the problem with the bank is I have no visibility into what the bank is really doing with that money, right? I, I don't have a whole lot of visibility and I can't say, look, when I deposit this money, I only want my money to be used to lend to certain groups or, or mm -hmm. to certain types of people, or only this underwriter is allowed to use my money to, mm -hmm. to lend out. I don't get that purview. I don't get that transparency or, or the ability to say that. Whereas with, with Maple in this case, I do get the ability to say, all right, I, I realize you're going to have a pool. I like this underwriter. This underwriter is really good at, at picking uh, the opportunity to invest in some of these companies or, 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 uh, invest or lend to some of these borrowers that he has a re he or she has a really good feeling is actually going to pay the money back. Yeah, that, that's a great point, right? The, the, the bank is a closed box, right? It's traditional finance. It's a traditional database. It's the blob of money's in, then they loan it back out and you can't really earmark your dollars towards a specific, you know, uh, loan or cause, which is, which is a really good point. Um, and, and that is the role of the pool delegate is to provide that transparency so that you can see what they're doing. So if they're doing something, investing in something you like, like Calvin Klein, right? You can maybe invest in it. And then if it's something you don't like, um, again, like DeLoreans or something, then you don't have to do that. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally bullish Calvin Klein. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit bearish plutonium right now. <laughs> that's, that's smart. That's smart. That yeah. makes sense. That's what I go for. But keep in mind, Steve, this is, this is part of what you know, blockchain technology and crypto is meant to give us, right? It's not all supposed to be volatile assets that we're trading up and down and, and trying to go 100x on. This is this efficiency that says, okay, here's what you've been doing in the traditional finance world. You put your money in a bank and they go lend it. Or if you want to invest in like a, a private credit fund or something, you have that opportunity. What, what Maple is saying is it gives me the ability to actually kind of uh, go right in between there and say, I'm going to deposit my funds and I'm going to pick and choose the underwriter based on this unbelievable amount of transparency that you don't even get in, in private credit funds, this unbelievable amount of transparency up to the minute, of course, because it's all being done on a, uh, a public blockchain such that now I get more choices. Again, that's part of what we're getting with blockchain technology and DeFi is the ability for me to be able to make more choices with my money. That's a great point. And for the newer advisors who are maybe trying to wrap their heads around what a protocol is, here's a good example. Sure, Maple is a company, but the protocol is the code. And basically, the code is, is the lending agreement. And so the lender drops the money in the contract. The borrower takes the money out of the contract. And then the underwriter, the pool delegate, sets the terms of the contract. And once it's set, anybody can follow along. You can see the deposit of money go in. You can see the funding of it go out to the borrower. You can see the interest payments come back from the borrower's wallet through the contract to the lender. So I think this is a, a fairly simple example of what a protocol does. It's, it sets up the rules in advance um, and provides that transparency you were talking about, Adam. Exactly. And I think it's uh, kind of the next step. Like as we kind of slowly move, I think, from where we've been in crypto, where it was all trading and speculation. And then it moved to, remember, DeFi summer, where it was all about how much yield can I earn, even though most of it was rehypothecation and ridiculous, to yeah. NFTs, which we'll kind of uh, forget about that summer. Uh, and as we move into more and more institutions using this, and even as we move into, you know, what, 
what JP Morgan and City and BlackRock have said, you know, real world assets. Well, this is a real world asset, right? This is an underwriter, an actual person deciding to lend actual money to some group or company. It just so happens that it's all going through blockchain rails such that it is incredibly transparent and efficient. Yep. And there's one other protocol that's fixed income like as opposed to more of a lending market like Aave that we like to follow as well. So if you don't want to give your money to Biff at the bank, what you want to do is also check out Goldfinch. So, Adam, we've been looking at Goldfinch lately a bit, too. What's your impressions of them? Uh, I, I really like Goldfinch as well. And one of the reasons, Steve, is because Goldfinch not only does some, some similar things to Maple, right? It's I get to deposit money into a pool. I get to basically choose kind of which direction it's going to go. Where Goldfinch is a little differently is, it, is it's following through even more a little bit on, on the promise of blockchain technology and DeFi and saying we're going to lend money sometimes in some de- in some developing world countries or in some developing world businesses and such, which is we're trying to get more people the ability to participate in the global economic system. And they are doing the job to underwrite those loans, even in areas where you or I may not be able to get some some sort of traction. But they're doing a really good job of, of underwriting to the point that they've almost had zero defaults on any of the loans. It's people who really want to borrow money. And they're using these efficient blockchain rails to get it to them where they don't have to add on so many onerous fees that, that it's not even possible. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. One of the themes that you know we like to hit on the podcast, and Adam, at some point, we should probably get organized and do a, a series on this, but it's, it's what do you do with your clients once they're on chain? It's you go through all the work, get them to open a wallet, even get it funded, which can be a bigger hassle, then what? Then you buy a couple tokens? Well, kind of, you know, sure, that, that's part of it. Um, but there's a series of things that are good to do with clients, you know, invest, earn interest, et cetera. But, but part of that, part of that is being able to experience different economies and contribute to different parts of the world and maybe loan money to people who don't have access to it. And so I think Goldfinch is a, is a, a protocol and a group that can play a large role in us coming up with relevant and useful things that our clients to do once they're on chain. Um, and, and that's why I like them. We can actually... You know, we're, we were promised micro loans so long ago, and it's kind of happening, but kind of not really. Um, and, and crypto just makes that so much easier. And I think Goldfinch is playing a huge role there. Oh, yeah. The, the ability to, to move assets on chain for very, you know, very low transaction fees. And honestly, Steve, the ability, the, the ability to move very small amounts of money on chain, mm-hmm. relatively small, right? We don't have to move $10 million at a time to, to bring the fees down. I can just as easily transfer $50 as, a, as I can a million, and the fee yeah. is roughly the same. So I, I think, and, and I've said for a while, micropayments are a, a huge use case for crypto. And, and micro in terms of institutional lending is, a, is still a pretty large number. But the fact that, you, that, that Goldfinch can make this kind of lending efficient such that the lender, the, the person who's depositing the money, in this case, if you're a financial advisor, your client is still going to earn a significant amount of interest. So this is not philanthropy. This is not just giving your money away because you want it, You want people in, in the developing world to be able to, to run a yep. business. This is in a way that you have an incentive and your incentive is you're earning interest or your client is earning interest. And that money is likely still getting to someone in, in a place 
uh, in a country, in a, in a part of this country, whatever, that wouldn't normally have access to a financial system in an efficient way that they could they could borrow money and run their business. So it, it kind of serves all those purposes. And this is kind of what we've been waiting for. I mean, years ago, we saw we, like there was Kickstarter and there were some others. I, I, I even forget what they were, you know, in Web2 where I was able to uh, lend money or deposit money or something. And it felt much more like philanthropy than yeah. it did actually earning interest on my money, a significant amount of interest while still helping those same people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can feel like foreign aid sometimes, right? It's just this money goes out and then you don't know what happens to it from there. But I think the blockchain is changing that where we can see if these repayments are happening and, and what's going on. So uh, we'll leave you with that. If you need a couple things to check out that are beyond the basic, um, hey, how do I make a little bit of uh, you know interest, bank-like interest, um, and look into more fixed income, Maple Finance, I think it's maple.finance, and then Goldfinch with an N in there, goldfinch.finance as well, if I'm not mistaken, is also the place to go. Um, and we'll wrap it up there. But Adam, any last thoughts on what we talked about? No last thoughts, Steve. I'm, I'm really excited for what's happening here because I think this is, again, this is the direction that the blockchain technology and DeFi should really be going and is going to really go. And this is what's actually going to bring on so many users because it kind of feels like what we've been doing in the past. And it, it's, it's the, the efficiencies that we see here are what is, I believe, going to drive more money to come into the market, but do so in a safe and secure way. And people are going to like the transparency. They're going to like the efficiency. And once you've seen that in, in terms of lending markets like these, there's it's really hard to go backwards. It's really hard to go back to the system we've had in the past. And once people see the transparency here and the efficiency, this is the direction we're going to keep going. Yep, absolutely. And my last thought is that I brought up a movie with a sequel. So unfortunately, we're going to have to uh, probably go through the whole series at some point now and back to the future too and whatnot. But in the meantime, we will party like it's October 21st, 1985, because that's the time we're going back to. And thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you next week as well.